We're talking about gratitude, and we're going to look at Philippians chapter 1, beginning with verse 12. We're going to talk about gratitude, not in the way that we normally do, but we're going to deal with the very real issue of how can I be grateful when things are going so difficult in my life, and how should I be grateful, and what should I say, and how should I say it? And to look at this, we're going to look at Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. And here's what you got to what you got to figure out. What you got to know is that this letter was written about 25 years after Paul was saved. It was written after he had already been on two missionary journeys. It was written after he'd already been all over the Mediterranean world taking the gospel. It was written after he was already known to be the church's greatest theologian and greatest missionary and and the greatest church planter and the greatest evangelist. And he's in prison because he's all of those things. And he's awaiting trial because of all of those things. The the real question is, how can I be grateful when difficult things are happening in my life? And I think Paul's going to give us a way of looking through this and understanding it. So please follow along as, as I read. He is in prison in Rome, waiting trial, not sure whether he's going to live or whether he's going to die. And this is what he says to the church at Philippi. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for the gospel. And I, and because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Paul deals with reality. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former those who do so out of envy and rivalry. The former preach Christ out of, selfless, out of selfish ambition and, sinc- and sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Some of you have no idea what this is, but others of you know it well. It's a road map of the southeast. I looked at it carefully. Covington is right here. Madison, uh, Mandeville is right here. Uh, Madisonville, I'm sorry, didn't make the cut, nor did Folsom. But of all things, Bush did, wherever Bush might be. Uh, it's on the map. Uh, it's a map of the whole southeast. And, and I, of course, grew up with this. My dad always, when we went on trips, my dad always drove. For whatever reason, my mom, I always said my mom knew how to raise boys. She let me sit in the front seat and my little brother sat in the back seat with her. That may have been strategic. They won't fight as long as one is in the back and one's in the front. And from about 12 or 13 on, I became the navigator. And I had a road map like this. And my dad, he owned his own business. My guess is he made enough decisions all the time that he felt like he didn't need to make any decisions. You just tell me where to turn and I'll turn. And so I took the map and I did that. And uh, I was going to say I knew how to fold it. Uh, and maybe, yes. <laughs> and uh, here's what I want to do today. It, it's hard to give thanks in difficult times. It just is. You know that, and I know that. And when life smacks us in the mouth, it is hard to give thanks. And yet the Bible tells us to do it. Paul told us to do it. He wrote to the church at Thessalonica, and he said, give thanks in every circumstance. For Paul, thanksgiving was a part of what it was to be in Christ. And he is writing for them to do that. And what I think happens is that Paul is giving us a roadmap. He is showing us where to begin, and he's showing us how to end up and how to be thankful in every circumstance. And this passage of Scripture just opens everything to us and makes it so clear. So let me give you this roadmap. There are six things that I find in this passage of Scripture and in the Scripture as a whole that helps us to know how to give thanks in difficult times. So, so please, Go with me and let's walk through the points, the waypoints that will help us get to the desired result, which is to be thankful in all circumstances. Number one is the beginning. And by the way, if you don't have a beginning point, you can't have an ending point. 
And if you don't know where you are, you can't know where you're going to go and you can't know how to get there. So it's absolutely essential that you know where you are. And the beginning point of this roadmap of getting to the point that we can give thanks in every circumstance is to begin by exalting Christ above all. Paul talks about that. In verse 20, he says, I eagerly expect and I desire that I will not be ashamed. Now think about where Paul was. He is in Rome. He is in prison. He is shackled to a Roman guard. He's not going anywhere except he's going to trial. And then he's going to stand before the Roman authorities and they're either going to give him a thumbs up or a thumbs down. He is either going to live or he is going to die. And that's the only place that Paul is going to go. And so Paul says, I eagerly expect and I sincerely desire that I want be ashamed. And what does Paul mean by that? Not not what you and I think of, of, of shame. I'm ashamed I said that, I did that. Paul wants the gospel to be exalted. Paul wants Christ to be exalted. Paul wants that in the time of trouble that he is giving thanks in all things and in every circumstance. And I think you and I get it because we don't know what we're going to do. Sometimes we all say, I'll never do that or I'll always do that. But I think that it's not clear what we will do. Paul meant when I stand before Christ, I do not want to be ashamed. I want to have exalted him in my body, whether I live or whether I die. For Paul, exalting Christ was not just the beginning or not just the end. It was everything. And to lift Jesus up and to exalt him by his, the way he lived was what Paul wanted. So Paul was praying for sufficient courage. I would encourage you to pray that way. God, There's going to be somebody at school that challenges me or that that talks about the world in a way that exalts the world and diminishes Christ. God, help me to have sufficient courage that I might speak the word of God that I might live for him, that I might exalt him because exalting Christ It's the beginning point. It's the the end all and it's the be all that God wants us to have. And so we begin by exalting Christ and by desiring to lift him up and to please him in all that we do. The second point on on the roadway, the second point on the map is this, is that you and I need to be patient with life and patient with ourselves. Now, we are really 
patient with other people and their struggles. I told somebody on the way here who is rehabbing for something, man, this time went by fast. And the reason it went by fast is it's not mine. I'm not rehabbing anything. I'm not in pain. I'm not going through any trouble. And the time goes fast. But when you are the one that has it, the time goes slowly. And it is hard and it is difficult. And we wonder if anything is ever going to be taken care of. And the second part of the roadmap is this. Be patient with yourself. And don't be discouraged if you go through hurt and pain and emotions. Everybody has emotions. Everybody's going to go through emotions. Not the same way, not the same intensity, not the same emotions. Some of us have problems with fear and others have no problems with fear. Some of us have problems with depression and nobody and others don't have any problems with depression. And instead of beating yourself up because of those emotions, I would encourage you to be patient with those emotions knowing that they don't last forever, knowing that they may be over with quickly, but everybody has to deal with it. And by the way, if you're one of those people who, who will not allow yourself to have emotions, will not allow yourself to be afraid or discouraged or depressed or hurting or whatever, I would encourage you to be patient with yourself as well. Because a lot of times the way we kind of look at life is I'm not supposed to feel this way. I mean, think about me. I'm the pastor of the church. I'm not supposed to be depressed. I'm not supposed to be afraid. I'm not supposed to be in denial. I'm not supposed to be angry or whatever it's going to be. We have to be patient with ourselves because sometimes you just have to wait. And we do have to wait. Paul in prison, waiting for trial. No way he can speed Rome up. No way he can make anything happen. You just have to wait. Sometimes you have to wait in an emergency room or a hospital room or, God forbid, in a funeral home. But sometimes you just have to wait. A psychologist by the name of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross wrote a well-known book. And you may never have read the book, but you've, you've heard the, what she said. She talked about, about emotions. She talked about grief, about grief and dying. And here's what she said. She, she got this from observing people. She said, there are five things that you go through through grieving. She says the first one is denial, and then there's anger, and there's depression, and there's bargaining with God, and finally there's acceptance. By the way, I've never gotten number one through four right. I, I couldn't tell you what number one through four are. Number five is acceptance. And sometimes we just have to be patient. 
Because we're part of the human race, and where did she get that? She got it from observing people, that that people would deny that it had happened. And then there is anger, and then there's depression, and then there's the bargaining with God to God to get us out of this. And then finally, there's acceptance. And sometimes you simply have to wait, and you have to accept it. Now, here's a good thing. Maybe not everybody will go through all five of those, and maybe they won't be long. Maybe if you're angry, it'll just pop out like that. Maybe if you're depressed, it'll be for five minutes and not five months. Maybe in all of these things, it'll go through quickly, but you have to be patient with yourself and allow yourself to to accept your emotions and understand that God made us emotional people and we have emotions. But at the same time, I want to accept the emotions, but I want to ask God to take those emotions and use them for good. And sometimes they're used for good when I can say, yeah, I know what it's like to be angry. I was angry as well. But God will bring you through that, and God's not going to leave you, and God's not going to forsake you. Step two is to be patient with yourself. Number three is this, ask God for the grace to please him. Ask God now for the grace to please him, because that's what Paul was doing. When he writes in Philippians chapter 1, verse 20, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed when I stand before Christ. I don't want that to be the case. I want to have sufficient courage to be able to deal with the issue that is before me. And so what I would encourage you to do is to pray and say, God, I don't know what today's going to bring. I don't know what I'm going to face. Depression or denial or I'm going to need courage and I don't know how I'll react. God, I look to you today for sufficient courage for this day to give me what I need in this time, that I will have what you want me to have. I find in my life, this is the way I look at it, I find in my life when I spend time with God early in the day, when I say to God, God, these are the things I'm going to go through today, I want you to help me in all of these, I find when I say to God, God, I don't know what the world is going to bring today. I don't know what I'm going to face. But help me to have the courage to face it. Help me to have the right words to say, God, if somebody pushes my buttons today, help me respond in the right way. I think that's what Paul was asking God. I don't want to be ashamed when I stand before you. And I want to have sufficient courage to do what I need to do. And think about Paul. We hold him in such high regard. And as I mentioned earlier, the greatest evangelist, the greatest church planner, the greatest theologian. But what is he praying? That I might have sufficient courage to deal with the struggles that I deal with. Step four on the roadmap is to look for what God can do in your life, even in difficulty. 
Look for how God can lead you. Look at verses 12 through 14. This is what Paul says. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, what had happened to him? He had been beaten. He had been arrested. He had been charged. He had been put in chains. One time he had been left for dead. He was shipwrecked and 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 held on to driftwood for a day and a night. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know that the things that have happened to me, specifically being in Rome and on trial and being charged, has actually served to advance the gospel. Because the whole palace guard, think about the people who were chained with him. They know that I'm not in here because of my my lawlessness. But the most natural thing would be for a Roman guard to think this man is a criminal. He hates Rome. He wants to assassinate the emperor. He has broken the law. Paul says, I want you to know that they've seen the truth, that I'm in here because of Christ. I've gotten to talk with them about Christ. If you look through other passages in the Scripture, you'll find that there were people in Rome who were in Caesar's household, who were in the Roman palace guard, who were believers because of Christ. I want you to know that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And not only are people being saved, but the saved are becoming more courageous. Now, you know the issue here. In a world of persecution, in a world of cancel culture, in a world in which people speak against the gospel and against Christ and against you, the easiest thing to do is just keep your head down and keep moving forward. Paul said, I want you to know that what has happened to me has made the brothers and sisters in the church at Rome more fearless, they have dared to live out the gospel. Look for what Christ can do. I love the story of Nehemiah, 450 years before the time of Paul. The people of Israel were in exile in Babylon and Persia. Nehemiah had never been to Jerusalem, but he heard about Jerusalem, heard about the walls of the city being torn down and the people being in despair. And God laid it on his heart to go to Jerusalem. He was part of the king's household. He had a great job. He had a, he had a gig that was good and he could hang on to it and he wouldn't hang on to it. And he asked the king, I want to go to Jerusalem and I want to help my people. When he got to Jerusalem, he found that the people were depressed and discouraged and afraid. And so Nehemiah told them, he used these words, the good hand of my God has been upon me. And the people, because of Nehemiah, because of what he did, rose up to build the walls. Look for what God can do in the time of difficulty. Number five is this, trust God to carry you through. Trust him to be with you. 
Trust Him because you can count on Him. Now, everybody here has probably heard these words, even if, you, if you've not been to church before. Almost everybody's heard these words. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That is in Philippians chapter 4. Paul is talking, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you know what we do? We make that about the most frivolous things in the world. I can fold this map. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or I can hit a two iron. Or I can hit a baseball. Or I can do something. I can run a marathon. And by the way, I don't think there's a thing wrong with your saying to God, God, I need to run this marathon and I need your help and I need your guidance. And I need your strength and I need you to sustain me. It's just that I think there are other things that you ought to apply that to. I think you ought to apply it to the fact when you say, God, I can't be thankful. Can God give you what you need to do all things through him? Wouldn't it make sense to say, God, I'm having a hard time being thankful. You know this already. Would you help me to be thankful? By the way, could I just make a statement that I'd like to say to everyone because I think it's on everybody's mind. I get asked this a lot. My friend, father, mother, husband, wife, child died. Am I supposed to be thankful about that? I don't think so. And I don't think you should think in that way. How did we get Paul? We got Paul out of Stephen. Stephen was the first martyr. Stephen was stoned to death. And since we've never seen anybody stoned to death, we don't think much about that. It was a horrible way to die. Stephen was stoned to death, and Paul was part of that. And he heard Stephen say, Father, forgive them. He heard Stephen say, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. A lot of people always want to know, why was Jesus standing everywhere else in Scripture, seated at the right hand of the Father? He was standing. I heard one man say he was standing in honor of Stephen, faithful unto God, even unto death. Paul never said, I thank God for Stephen's death. I don't think that's what God means about being thankful in every circumstance. Here's what I think he means. I think he means for us to say, thank you, God, that you are with me in every circumstance. Thank you, God, that I can count on you. Thank you, God, for the word of God that comforts and strengthens me. Thank you, God, that even though I didn't want this to happen, of course you didn't. No one wants that to happen. God, 
Even though I didn't want this to happen, I do want you to use it for good. You have promised me that, and I thank you that you do that kind of thing. So look for what God can do, and look for God to carry you through all of these things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I I love three words that are found in Ephesians chapter 4. Paul said, I have learned. And remember, it goes with this. I've learned to be content in all things. I know what it is to have plenty, and I know what it is to to be hungry. I know what it is to have enough, and I know what it is to not have enough. I know what it is to be exalted, and I know what it is to be abased. I know high, I I know low. I've been through all of these things, and I have learned. And I think what he means is, by the grace of God, by the power of God, I have learned to be content in all of this and to put my trust in God and to put my faith in God and to know that God is going to be with me and never leave me alone and that I can depend on him in all things. My goal today, twofold. My goal is that you learn to be thankful no matter whether you're up here or down here, no matter whether you have plenty or you have nothing. My goal is for you to praise God and thank God in all things because Paul tells us to do that. The Word of God tells us to do that. But I also have the goal that you would be faithful in all things and you would look to God and let him carry you through and that he would grow you in your faith into the likeness of Christ. Number six. Number one is the beginning point. Exalt Christ in all things. Number six is your destination. Trust Christ. Thank God in all circumstances. Where you say unto God, God, I want you and need you in my life, and I want to be pleasing unto you. I would encourage you to pray, God, I need your help. God wants us to He wants to help us. He wants to encourage us. He wants to help us all along the way. Trust God in all circumstances. Here's what I do when there's something I don't know how to do, like being courageous, like dealing with depression, like wondering if I'm going to make the right decision when the chips are down and am I going to be found faithful or am I going to be ashamed or wondering if I can handle my anger, my resentment, my bitterness, my something. I simply go to God and I say, God, you know. You know me. You know how I feel. You know what I'm going through. But God, I don't want to go through that. I don't want to feel those ways. Those ways are displeasing to you. I don't want that. God, I need you. 
and I want you in my life. And I want you to want him and open your heart to God and let God be in control of your life and let God walk you through showing you the roadmap of how you live and how you serve and how you follow him. I'm going to pray, and at the conclusion of my prayer, I'm going to invite you to come to, to, to pray here at the steps, to pray with the pastor, to publicly profess your faith in God, or as a believer to say, I want to be more like Christ. So let's pray together. God, thank you for everybody here and listening so carefully. God, I pray now that your spirit would be drawing people to yourself who, are, who have struggled with being thankful in all circumstances and knowing how to handle all of these things and knowing what to do. God, please draw them to yourself. And help them to be faithful and obedient unto you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together, please. Our pastors are here at the front. The music is about to begin. We invite you to come. Make your decision for the Lord. <laughs>